DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Plumbing, heating, or electrical. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. It's time to welcome in Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, former BYU quarterback. Riley, good morning. Morning, DJ. Morning, PK. How y'all doing? We're doing well, and we're very happy you're here. We've tried to get you on this year, and we haven't been able to, and we were worried that, you know, we'd insulted you, and we were old news. You just moved on to, to bigger and better names. No, it's just that when you add babies to the family, the mornings get rougher and rougher. So, But you guys caught me on a good week, so I'm glad to be with you again. All right, we are curious as the uh, as the Cougars crush everyone in front of them, and as Zach Wilson's uh, draft stock keeps soaring. Saw a mock draft yesterday. Was it Yahoo PK? It was Yahoo, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, Yahoo had him as the fourth best quarterback, and as the sixth pick in the draft. Four of the top six were quarterbacks. They had him going to Minnesota. Obviously, the draft order can can change. There's so many games left in the season. But how do NFL people? hold him in such high regard when the competition is obviously overmatched and he has a ton of time to throw and all that kind of stuff. What are people seeing in him? Because that is in top 10 pick. That is high praise. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wish I had audience with uh, last time I talked to a scout was back when I was playing and trying to explore if I had any, you know, chance of getting a sniff at the next level, obviously, we know that wasn't probably <laughs> it wasn't as encouraging, but no, I don't have direct access to Scott. I don't know, uh, DJ. I don't know how they um, equalize for level of competition. I mean, obviously they got that North Dakota State, that Trey Lance kid. He's up high again. There's you got Carson Wentz, um, you know, who was people talk about Joe Flacco came out of Delaware, but he was at Michigan before Delaware, so he was a big time. But you look at those other guys, like you look at Wentz, and you can see, oh, Wentz was just a late bloomer, right? He was, he was a six, five string being going to North, North Dakota state. He fills out and, and there's the objective things of just being big and strong and fast and throw the ball a country mile. Zach is, uh, Zach is uh, different than those kind of prospects who, who they, who play against lesser competition in that his, to me, his biggest asset is how developed his skill is. Like he is, a ton of time working on his craft to where outside the pocket, on the run, down the field. I mean, he just made, he's pinpoint accurate. He's got all the touch. He can laser it if he needs to. He can put air under it. He can throw that two ball that's in between. It's over the backers in front of the safeties. Um, and all of those, all of those skill elements are largely affected by the defense. Like everybody was loving that Texas state throw. And don't get me wrong. I loved it too. Anytime a ball goes 60 yards, in that more than 60 yards in the air and ends in a touchdown, that's an incredible accomplishment by the quarterback. But it probably is only happening to a school like Texas State for many reasons. One, the safety, you know, should be athletic enough to recover. He's playing a P5 school. The safety is athletic enough to recover. Probably doesn't bust in the first place, get his eyes in the backfield and get out of position to allow it to be open and all those things. But people remain impressed. And so if I'm Zach, I'm, I'm loving it because uh, – it hasn't seemed to be a distraction for him and his play on the field for BYU. And, of course, his his dream, he's getting one step closer to living out his dream of playing football professionally. Has he done anything this season where you thought, wow, I didn't really see that coming? You know, I, a couple of the throws that he has made, um, there is something to – and I had the same uh, operation on my shoulder that he did. 
And I can attest to you're really not, you know, you're back and you're throwing in about nine to 10 months, but you don't feel like your old self again, probably more like 18 months later. And so obviously he was within those 18 months last season. He's outside of the 18 months this season and it's market. A couple of the whole shots that he's thrown uh, have been really impressive to me. And then a couple of the off platform, there's one where he's rolling, um, he's rolling to the sideline and he throws a back shoulder about 35 yards down the field. Those were throws that, just from watching him as a freshman and sophomore, I didn't know he had in his bag. But the athleticism I knew had been there, the, competi- the competitiveness, I've always seen it, always known that it's there. And, uh, and then, of course, the dedication to the craft. You know, I know he's been, I'm good friends with John. And I, I, when I, my in-laws live down in that area, so when I'm down there on board, I go over to the field where John Beck and 3DQB work guys out. So I've been seeing Dak go down there since he was a junior in, in college. So I know that work ethic and dedication has been there. None of those things have surprised me, but a couple of the feats of arm strength have a little bit. Now you got babies, you're not going to be bored of your in-laws anymore, are you? You're not going to be able to go over them. <laughs> no, when they live so close to Disneyland, uh, my pocketbook won't be, you know, my wallet won't be very bored either. Yeah. So, uh, so as you watch Zach, is there something you can say where you're saying, hey, he's still got to improve at this. I'd like to see more of X, whatever it is. Yeah, and honestly, this one I can't hold against him because they're not calling these plays. This is just not part of their offense. But what I don't see is that are, there are not many West Coast concepts. I mean, they run a little bit of, of mesh. That's more of an air raid than a West Coast, which is kind of an area read. But right now he's, he's got mostly progression-based reads, right? He's going one to two to three, and uh, that, that's a lot. You, you have to recognize – and yet, but it's mostly matchup based, and you're not reading. You're not like a key defender with an awareness defender, and then you know, and then a backside defender that you got to worry about which of these common West Coast things. And honestly, the NFL is is changing. You know, it's not that traditional West Coast. But this is a long way of saying that, it, it, and not being a pro evaluator, but from watching pro football, from having red shoulders with a few pro guys, one area where I think that he needs to improve is in his short to intermediate timing. It just is, it's crazy. He's more accurate 15 plus yards down the field than he is 15 yards uh, and under. And then, and then this is where I say it's just not required of him. So I don't really know if he can do it or not. I don't see a lot of anticipation timing window throws right now. Mostly he's just reading a, a route and reading a defender and then using his arm talent to get the ball there you have to throw the, the term throw with faith, right? Which means you throw it into a window between two defenders well before your guy's even there. Whether you end up in, an, uh, in a West Coast-based system in the NFL or not, you still have to be able to do that because those defenses are so good and those windows are so much smaller. So a lot has been made of this John Beck. They even mentioned it in the uh, Fresno-Colorado uh, State game as far as uh, – uh, John Beck working with quarterbacks, and I don't want to take anything away from John. I mean, I'm certainly, I'm sure he's doing a great job. But how about giving some credit to the three-year relationship that this quarterback has had and is having with Roderick and Grimes? You hit it on the head, PK. Like, honestly, no, I didn't have that luxury. I had two years with Anai, two years with Doman. Taysom had one year with Doman. Uh, three years with an eye, or sorry, two years with an eye, one year with Detmer. Mangum had a year or two with an eye, one year with Grimes. Um, it's in the in the past decade, Zach Wilson has been the only BYU quarterback that's had the luxury of having all of three of his years thus far with one coach, and that makes all the difference. Not just 
because of the relation. And don't. And by the way, I want to his quarterback coach Aaron Roderick, who also you know was the coordinator at Utah and is doing. I don't think he officially has the title, but I know he's doing a lot of co-coordinating in that room as well. But between Roderick and Grimes and Zach, that kind of triangle. It's, it's work magic. And it's not just Zach becoming more comfortable with them or vice versa, but it's also, this is the first time Grimes has been a play caller. And you get, I mean, on a much smaller scale, right? I, I went up to Logan High and coached my brother for a year. And just on a, and it's high school and it's a different level and all those things. But like the first three games versus the last three games of the season, I was, I was way better as a play caller. You just get used to, all right, setting things up throughout the game. You get used to not freaking out, you know, every third long. You don't try and get it at the sticks. You're okay playing field position. You just mature into a lot of that role. And I think Grimes had a lot of that coming in. But from, you know, 2017, his first season, to now, or 2018, to now in 2020, you can tell he's really hit his stride as a play caller, and Zach has become the beneficiary of that. So what about the guys behind Zach? Because now, I mean, he's top 10, projected as a top 10 pick. We're all assuming he's gone. The guys who haven't played a lot but have been under the same coaches, how seamless a transition can there be going forward? Yeah, I mean, so with Jaron Hall's injury, obviously Baylor Romney's uh, been in there. And, and Baylor's kind of the underdog story that we all love. And the dude comes in, he's got... Like, he's probably got a resting heart rate of, like, 30, and nothing rattles him. He's so poised, and his teammates love that about him, and they love his leadership. Um, but, guys, and look, this was from a, you know, I was a guy who was somewhat under-recruited, right? I, I ended up getting scholarships and kind of getting in, so I had the base-level talent to merit a scholarship. But there aren't a ton of guys that come as walk-ons that you just miss on. They're a walk-on for a reason, right? It's, there's, there's some element of the game. Basically, what I'm getting at is while Baylor Romney's first in line, he's got some talented guys breathing down his neck. Conover, obviously, was a four-star kid out of Arizona. When I just I, the only exposure I've had to him is in warm-ups, and I've got my hands on a little bit of practice film. He's got that talent where you look at him and his arm talent can be really exciting. Um, he, he's obviously big, he's athletic enough, so you, you got him there. Uh, you got Soljay, who's more of a Jaron Hall type who's going to be a guy that's going to be able to you know, run around and be that dual threat, make plays in his feet, which probably Baylor and Jake aren't. And then, of course, you got this unknown with Jaron where nobody really knows what his future holds. He's battled injuries his entire career, and that may be the story of his career. But if he can get back and get healthy, even if it's for a season or two, he brings a unique skill set. But, um, uh, but the uh, – so bottom line, I, th- I, I think the cover, the cover isn't bare by any means. Uh, I think they got good guys in the program. And uh, if I had to call it today, like if Zach left today and it was up, I'd say it'd, it'd be a pretty tough battle. But Baylor obviously would be next in line and would have the inside track from having playing experience and getting all the reps as the twos. But in my, from what I've seen, Conover would be breathing right down his neck. So we've seen uh, Zach obviously develop some type of relationship with Mill. Romney's been a little bit on the shelf here the last couple of games. From a quarterback perspective, what does it take to have that quarterback have complete and total trust in the receiver? you got to be where he – the the wide receiver has to be where the quarterback expects him, when he expects him, and then you got to bail him out of some bad situation. you got to come down with 50-50 balls. I was just listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast he, he's got some, some good guests, but uh, and I, he, it was the beat writer for Tampa Bay. I can't even remember that guy's name. Anyway, they were talking about how Brady throughout his career 
has been a guy that, like, once you lose his trust, you're never seeing the ball again. They were talking about that last year in New England. Like, Nikhil Harry, he couldn't trust him to be where, where you know, he wanted him to be when he wanted him to be and, and all those things. And I'm talking about how he started to develop that with Mike Evans. He doesn't quite have it with God. Not to make this like a Tampa Bay Buccaneers or an NFL thing, but that that is the number one thing. For me, I had that guy in Cody Hoffman. Cody Hoffman did two things. One, he was always there, but two – you know, I my O line was especially that 2012 year. It was decimated with injuries. Guys were playing. I mean, we were two and three uh, deep on the depth chart with a bunch of dudes playing hurt. You know, like right guard playing with a cast on his arm. My center's playing with a torn groin. All that stuff. So I was running around a lot. I didn't get the chance to like set up on a solid platform and and you know deliver a nice ball. I was running around getting hit and all that stuff. Cody covered up for all of that. If I put it within like a 10-foot radius of that guy, he was coming down with it more times than not. And that just, as a quarterback, that makes you want to feed him more and more. And I think what happened that first play of the Houston game, which is really where things turned for Dax, and obviously the, the injury to Gunner happened in that game as well. But Dax throws up a 50-50 ball. A guy was in his face. He was getting hit as he kind of threw it up, left it a little short. It wobbled a little bit. But sure enough, Dax and Dax in one-on-one man-to-man coverage, goes up, grabs it, breaks a tackle, and takes a 70. You love that as a quarterback. Real quick, we got to run here, but did you have you seen enough Boise State film to have any feel for how that game might go? And yeah, I know, but we're in the media. We can take them two at a time. Yeah, well, so I know they've only played one game, right? And that, But yes, I have, because Bachmeyer... Polani and Khalil have been the same three playmakers for the last three seasons. So I've seen these guys. And granted, I'm only talking about the skill position, but I believe they're returning 15 out of 22 starters. So that same team that we saw, you know, that came down. And obviously we didn't see BYU didn't see Bachmeyer last year. He was hurt for that BYU game, which I think was a huge contribution as to why BYU was able to pull off that win in LaBelle Edwards Stadium last year. But this has been the same core, and I said three years, excuse me, Bachmeyer is only a true sophomore, but for the last two, Halani and Khalil have been there three years. Anyway, bottom line is, like, their core, is it's very similar to BYU, these two programs, in that they've had a core that's been playing together, starting, getting a lot of reps for each of the last, you know, two to three years. And so, yeah, that Boise team is formidable. Even though there was not going to be fans in the stands up in Boise, there's still just something about that stadium. It's going to be next week. It's going to be windy. I, I mean, hopefully they have the same forecast as we do, which is 60s and nice, but still, regardless, there's a glare on that turf. They're, they're going to be in their all-blue uniforms. There's just something up there that puts you on edge. And BYU, obviously, has never gone up there and won, so there's some demons to be exercised. I expect an absolute dogfight next week. I'm so excited after. And look, proud of Tom Homo, and the, and the players can only play the schedule that's put in front of them. But, man, the reason why we love college football is for the competition, and BYU hasn't faced much of it up to this point. But next Friday is going to be a showdown. Riley, it's good to hear from you. Thanks for coming on the air, and uh, back to the babies. You bet, guys. Have a good show.